This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Colby Garman and Clint Clifton. Hey, welcome to the Church Planning Podcast. I'm Clint Clifton, and I'm with Colby Garman. Hey, Colby. Hey, everyone. Good, uh, good to see you this evening. Yeah, I'm excited to be in this conversation. We've got a really good episode ahead about a, a subject that I think every church planner wrestles with. Yeah, well, I think church planners think about it a lot, and uh, especially before they plant, they're a little nervous about it. And then when you when you go out there on the limb and you say, "I'm going to plant a church." It's you got to stick to it, man, because uh, fail, failure is the topic of the day. Church plants uh, not succeeding or making it long term. Yeah. Um, so, Clint, do you think that we should um, assume that every church that we attempt to start is going to sort of succeed in a visible way? Absolutely not. No, they do not all succeed. Um, and even I would go as far as to say that. Um, I think in the spots where things are best, like here in North America, where, you know, you have um, cities with like church planting infrastructure and lots of support from sending churches and lots of money involved, even in the best of the best of the best kind of settings like that. I still think we see like 10 to 15 percent of churches not make it to year five. And, um, you know. When, when we th- talk about success, you know, visible success, I guess, would be long term getting rooted and that church to be continuing to disciple people mm-hmm. for generations. But uh, what does it mean for a church to be successful spiritually or successful yeah. in God's economy, but yeah. not succeed in getting to that point? That is uh, what Brian Metz, our guest today, is going to talk about. And um, I would I would answer that question by saying, you know, I mean, you think about this a lot when you're in church planting or when you're in ministry yeah. altogether, yeah. the tension between faithfulness and fruitfulness. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, I say tension because it is like a constant struggle. You know, you think, is it does it uh, is it possible for me to be faithful to Jesus, to obey his every command, do exactly what he wants me to do? honor his word, preach his gospel, work as hard as I can, do all those things that are good and still not see much fruit. Yeah. I, and, and we know from God's word, that's certainly possible. Mm-hmm. And from Christian history yeah. and experience uh, of people who have been, been faithful, but uh, have been faithful on hard ground. It's yeah. hard not to read the old Testament prophets and get some sense that, there are times and seasons where the word isn't welcome, where yeah. the where there's not going to be an evident, uh, visible fruitfulness, and and so I think it's something we really have to reckon with, or else we'll attempt to be successful visibly and possibly fail yeah. before God. Yeah, that's true. It's um, I think it's a bit of a complex sort of algorithm, you know, and I'm thinking yeah. about it, trying to figuring it out, figure it out because. You've got situations where you've got brothers and sisters who are super faithful to God. They're o- obedient to the Lord, and they're not seeing fruit. And that, but they're generally in in places that uh, the the gospel has has yeah. not taken root is yeah. isn't rooted at all. Um, then you've got situations where um, where uh, they're 
you know, there are fruitful churches around. It's just seemingly your church isn't very fruitful. And so I think there is a case for, I was actually talking to a pastor this week and he was making the case that a lot of the, he was saying to me, a lot of the church planners you guys send out and you work with, they're just, there's no evidence of fruitfulness in their life. And he, he was saying, I think you guys send way too many people out. You should be far more selective than you are. And you Mm -hmm. should really only send out those who are, who are evidently fruitful. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's one, that's kind of the tension, right? That's one side mm-hmm. where it's sort of an evident fruitfulness before we even go for it. Mm-hmm. And to some degree, we should expect a uh, history of fruitfulness or some picture of fruitfulness. But um, when you get out there and, and we actually feel, I think at Pillar, we, that we need to take far more risks yeah. in putting people who are otherwise qualified before the Lord. We don't want to put people who are unqualified as elders or mm-hmm. unprepared in their maturity, but, but risk um, putting them out there where we're not sure if they're going to be able to uh, establish a church that is going to be there for 50, 100 years and still think that the ministry they do in the meantime is really worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. And Brian, our guest today, is going to talk about that a lot about how over the years, been nearly 20 years since um, the church plant that he attempted to plant um, uh, wrapped up, um, that he has seen all of this fruitfulness in his personal life and his spiritual life and in the city he attempted to plant in, and now God's using him to plant a church again. It's just an incredible story. I can't wait to introduce you to it. Um, but going back to that sort of faithfulness and fruitfulness tension conversation that we were just having, um, I didn't say, you know, my response to the, I didn't want to leave that kind of hanging that my response to the, the person who said to me, yeah. you guys are sending people out in a sort of a sloppy manner. My response to him was like, the reason I can't buy that is because I actually was that guy. I mean, I, I think I'm not, this isn't false humility. I'm not blowing smoke. I was actually that guy. I was the yeah. guy who um, tried to church, plant a church really, really young. I had very little experience. Um, and I certainly had, didn't have, um, the education for it and I didn't have people around. I just didn't have a lot of the stuff you needed and I didn't, I wasn't fruitful in the beginning in many ways. Mm -hmm. And, um, it took a long time for me, you know, I still, I still, I look at things now and it's like the work has from a growth standpoint, it's always been relatively modest. It hasn't been explosive by any means. We've, yeah, it's just been a matter of a long walk in the same direction. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And, and I think that's good. Like, you know, if you win the game by hitting singles instead of by hitting, hitting home runs, I mean, you still, you still win the game. And I think, you know, my life is for Christ. And so I wake up in the morning and I try to serve the Lord the best I can. And if I'm a one talent guy and, and, or a five talent guy or a 10 talent guy, I got to serve him with my whole heart. And, and, you know, I mean, so I just don't buy the argument that other uh, person was, was putting forth. And I, I think we should, we should um, ask the questions who has the character for gospel ministry and who has the aspiration for gospel ministry. And those, if those two things are there, then we send people. Yeah. And when church planning is done well, it's frontline missions. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're attempting to reach lost people. And I think maybe this is where the tension really uh, makes it difficult is a lot of our church planning systems are driven towards getting a church established. And, um, and that means on a timeline, on a timeline with numerical growth that reaches certain gateways and things like that, but that can really pull at someone who yeah. is working to reach lost people yeah. in their community, uh, which is a much slower process yeah. than reshuffling Christians. Yeah, and the answer sometimes from guys that I interact with about this is, 
if you didn't plant so many churches, you'd have a lot more money to take care of the really fruitful guys for a long time right. and at a higher clip. And um, my thing is like the really fruitful guys don't actually need the money because they plant a church and it becomes it grows relatively quickly. And I mean, I, I've worked with some guys over the last couple of years in, in Washington and Baltimore that they plant a church and within a one year it's sustainable, like the right. income of the the in the offering plate is enough to take care of all the budget of the church. It's incredible, you know. Yeah. When when an, an average a church plant would take the one that is you know makes it and gets rooted, yeah. you know, it takes three to five years or something. Yeah, and the truth is, when you look at it, it's kind of hard to predict the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. like a few where you're like pretty sure that they're going to do a great job. Right. They've got a history of it, but the rest, you know, sometimes we think, oh, that's a sure thing. There's yeah. history of fruitfulness and things are really slow. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I just feel like there's such a need for gospel proclamation. Mm-hmm. If we have qualified people, we should try to find ways to get them more engaged in frontline work than yeah. you know, just making other churches fruitful. It's like those, uh, those dream team bands or, or whatever that people try to put together or, right. or the sports teams that just don't, they, they fall flat a little bit because, you know, sometimes even with all the right puzzle pieces together, there's, there's a, a factor involved in all of this that is, you know, is, is God's work. It's mysterious. It's spiritual. It's yeah. behind the scenes and God chooses to, you know, uh, cause things to grow and be fruitful. And he causes times of where ministries are fallow and not very fruitful. And that's, it's his prerogative to do it. And at the end of the day, the measurement of whether a church survived or not mm-hmm. before God is really not, not the, the best measure. Yeah. Not the best measure and certainly not the issue. I mean, we're, yeah. uh, but, um, so Brian too, let me just say about Brian before we go to the actual interview. Um, Brian is one of my oldest and dearest ministry right. friends. Like we have, uh, deep roots together. We went to the same small Bible college in Northern Florida, a little shout out to the Florida Baptist Theological College in Graceville, Florida. Um, I went there and studied music. And uh, so I was sort of one of the music guys and he was a, a theology student preparing for ministry, we were both preparing for ministry. And we just clicked right off the bat and yeah. we wanted, um, I, I thought he was fantastic and interesting and Uh, He liked hanging around me too. And then um, I was, uh, my wife, Jennifer, who's my wife now, and had a really close friend. And we lived in this apartment complex with this other gal named Kim. And then, and she really, you know, got a crush on, on this guy, Brian, that we're about to talk to. And now they're married and have two kids and they live in Huntsville, Alabama, and they've been in ministry for a super long time together. But when we were two young couples, we were, we were accountability partners trying to help each other walk with integrity in regard to our wives uh, or to our uh, girlfriends at the time. And so anyway, we have such deep history together and it's been so fun to walk along with them through the journey. Yeah. And his ministry story is a long story. Yeah, and really. I think that's one of the things that'll be encouraging to people. Like, uh, you never know how God is using earlier moments to put together something great for the future. Yeah, so. it's really it's really interesting. When I was planting, um, when things were super small. I remember him coming and visiting yeah, us when too. our church was like ultra yeah. tiny and brand new and he was at in a larger ministry and and I just was like, Man, he's got it all, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then our church started doing okay and then he went to Boston and things uh, yeah. initially looked good 
and then they were cha- really challenging there yeah. for him. And then I was able to be an encouragement to him. And then over the years, he's been at the, you know, at the fruitful church and I've been at the, you know, it's yeah. like gone back and forth and it's just been fun how God has, you know, kind of teeter tottered us and allowed us to be an encouragement to one another throughout the years. And so, right. yeah. So we're going to listen to a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to jump right into this interview with Brian Metz. Have you ever had that experience of hearing a great idea and thinking, oh, why couldn't that have been my idea? Well, I had that experience recently when I ran across a company called Space Together. Now, Space Together was founded by a church planter, and Space Together is to the church world what Airbnb is to your family. It lets you rent out your church space as easily as Airbnb lets you rent out your home. You can rent out a part of the building for like a specific day and time, or you can rent out the building in an ongoing way in a time where your facility is underutilized. And Space Together has this great technology that helps you take underutilized church space and create new opportunities for your congregation. Now, exclusively for Church Planning Podcast listeners, Space Together is offering um, a $1 posting fee. You can post your space on Space Together for just $1 when you use the coupon code PLANTER. And if you're a church planter that needs space, go on Space Together and look at the places that they're offering and maybe you'll find the perfect spot for your new church. You can learn more about Space Together at their website, spacetogether.com. Brian Metz, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. Well, thanks, Clint. Brian, you are my oldest and dearest friend that oh, has been man. on the podcast with me. Well, this is this is a honor and a treat for me. So, man, uh, first impressions of Clint Clifton. Uh, wild at heart, uh, and <laughs> to this day, Clint Clifton is legend in our household of being willing to do whatever it takes. Uh, to bring glory to God, I guess that's the, you know, we always put that tagline on there, but it's true, man. You like, my wife will still talk about how like you will just, you're a go-getter. And like, if you're going to build a bed, you're going to build a bed and you're going <laughs> to figure it out and do it. And so, uh, my first impressions of Brian Metz were, I mean, when I met you, you were a country bumpkin, uh, <laughs> man. I mean the belt buckle, the whole nine yards, the, the hard part on your hair before it was cool. Uh, man, you just, you were really a country boy. And my, my neighbor, I lived in a duplex and my neighbor, uh, Kim Wickware, yeah. she thought you were, and this is her word, not mine, delicious. Uh, <laughs> and she, this is Bible college romance. And she was, she was taken with you, Brian, and she uh, and she wanted me to go and talk to you and find out more information about you because she was hungry to know. <laughs> it didn't start. It didn't start that way with her. You know, I met her at the beach when she was out of school, and yeah. she thought this. She had the first impression that you did that I was this country bumpkin, and she was like, "Who's this guy?" Yeah, no, but <laughs> it didn't. Ta- I, it didn't take her too long to warm up <laughs> to the idea. <laughs> <laughs> and uh man she uh yeah she fell hard for you and then um and then y- you know she snagged you and uh and the rest is history you guys been That's married right. for a long time and you've been in ministry 20 years man 20 crazy, years crazy and i i was part of your um engagement yeah yeah i yeah, helped we were, you pull off your engagement we were watching that uh videotape <laughs> we actually yeah. got it converted to a DVD recently and we were, we were rewatching it as part of our 20th anniversary. And it was just so fun to, 
to see you and Neil and those other yeah. guys to were hiding in the bushes that whole time. This is before yeah. cell phones, right? So yeah. you, could, you couldn't call me. You couldn't no. you know, tell and us you, that there was a wedding going on to where we were supposed to do it. Uh, <laughs> the spot we were supposed to get engaged. And it was just this whole, but you all did it. You pulled it off. Yeah, so. it was very fun. Uh, it got to be part of your wedding. You part of our, our wedding. We just uh, have lots and lots of fond memories of you guys. And even though we've lived far away, we've kept in touch since college and we have uh, visited one another a few times. And um, so very uh, exciting. But part of your history and really even our history together a little bit was we were we were talking about Boston, dreaming about Boston um, uh early on so tell me tell me first how boston came on the radar for you and how you started to consider going there to plant a church yeah so i took a church planning class that you were in that you and i were both in uh Baptist us in and like four, four other people and yeah it was well it was, kimberly was in that class i remember that and like two or three other people yeah and we had the oldest professor who has ever been on the planet <laughs> Yes, who was planting churches in mobile home parks at the yes, time? Yes, he was. Yes. Cliff Matthews. Shout out to him. Cliff. I think he's. I think he's gone on to be with the Lord now. But he uh, he uh, was incredible. Incredible oh, man. Dude. Uh, yeah, that guy was. Church. He was definitely a unique guy, um, and so inspiring to do what yeah. he was doing and teaching this class. And so it just kind of put this, you know, church planting bug in. I think both of us and and the seeds of planting churches was there already and it was something that that you were uh, i think adamant about germinating with me more than i was so uh yeah so that's where it started and then we just started dreaming about it and then it wasn't until um 2004 i guess it was um where we uh, kimberly had a uh, my wife had a um a, a friend who was from New England. I think he's from New Hampshire. And he was just talking to me about, you know, New Hampshire or New England as being this place that was a very much burn over for the gospel, that there wasn't a whole lot of um, gospel centered churches there. There are a lot of religious people, but not necessarily Christians. Um, and, you know, lots of secularism, post-Christian, even back then. I mean, uh, we're feeling it more now, but I think back then it was even uh, rampant. It was just this post-Christian culture in New England. So I just began to pray about, you know, God, is this is where is this where you're, you know, trying to send us? And uh, you know, it, thanks to John Piper too of, yeah. you know, going and do hard things among the hard places with hard people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, New England became this thing I couldn't pass up, couldn't couldn't shake. So yeah. Yeah, and you had a sweet gig at a at a church on the beach. Um, I did during Bible college and after Bible college. Uh, you mm -hmm. worked at a, a church called Eastgate Christian Fellowship. It was oh. Calvary Chapel, I think, right? Yeah. So when I started there, it was a non-denom that turned into a Calvary Chapel. Mm -hmm. uh, I was there about five years. Loved the place. Uh, experienced grace. So learned so much about grace in that environment. Rob Woodrum, the pastor there, is just a you know tremendous uh, Bible teacher, but also a great pastor. Uh, you know, a, a guy who gets grace and then oozes grace. And um, yeah, it was a great gig. My wife was working as a school teacher, a Christian school teacher. It was her dream job yeah. in her dream place on the beach with her family. It was close by. And it was just this cush, man. It was so like, why would you want to leave this kind of, yeah. kind of gig? And God just said, 
tap, tap, let's go. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. And the Lord called you guys to Boston and you obeyed. You you went to Boston. You didn't have any children at the time. And uh, you guys got, got there and tell us, tell us how your, you know, the makeup of you landing in Boston, what was the, your status sort of there into the plan? Mm-hmm. Well, originally we were praying about Boston and we went to a passion conference and met these guys who were doing a new England Baptist um, convention. And they were uh, working with this uh, organization that they had kind of formed called the collegiate church planning community. And they were, their vision was Doug Hunt was the, was the main guy there. Uh, he was, his vision was to see, uh, you know, church, churches basically planted for each campus that's in Boston. Mm. You know, we're talking, you know, over, I think close to a hundred campuses in Boston yeah. proper. Uh, and, you know, Co- college campuses, yeah. college campuses. Yeah. yeah. And so collegiate ministry was really hard to do in Boston. You can't really get on most of the campuses uh, for whatever reason. I mean, it's a lot of secularism that, that kind of keeps out collegiate ministry. And so uh, the vision was to just plant churches. I mean, skip the middleman, so to speak, right. and start planting churches that are made up of college students, which really appealed to us at the time. And uh, so we partnered with them. We kind of went through their kind of assessment process and then went uh, and moved to Boston and and just began to uh, attend uh, what was called the gate at the time with TJ Odom and uh, Nathan Kreitz. And, um, you know, they were co-pastoring a church uh, in Boston and the Brookline area. And so we, uh, we just kind of dug in there and, and tried to make sense of living in Boston. I felt like a tourist the whole time I was there though. Yeah. uh, Yeah. That was, I I would say the, the move to Boston was one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life because it took such a toll on my wife that I didn't know it was going to take either. So like we're sitting in a Wendy's, imagine this, we're sitting in a Wendy's. We just unloaded the moving truck uh, into the mission house that they had put us in, uh, in Waltham, Massachusetts. So we weren't even in the city of Boston yet, which is where we thought we were going to land, you know, and um, we're realizing that we're going to have to sleep in these single beds, uh, at least almost cot like things in these, in this big house. And, and we go to Wendy's and we're eating, you know, spicy chicken sandwich and, she starts weeping and I'm like, Oh, is the sandwich too hot? Like I, I'm clueless, you know, I'm mm-hmm. the clueless male at this point. And, you know, it was what we, what we didn't know at the time was it was the beginning of a grieving process for her yeah. um, that lasted for a good while while we were there. So, yeah. Hmm. And the church planting journey was tough sort of every step of the way from somebody who was on the outside looking in. Uh, so yeah. give us kind of a play by play of the, how long, how long you were there and what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, not going through like a, a traditional sort of planting from a church where they had, we didn't have a real sending church, uh, you know, love Eastgate, but they weren't going to be our sending church cause we weren't going to plant at Calvary chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that made it more difficult. We had to do all of our own fundraising, um, through, you know, letters and presentations and all those kind of things, which my wife was, you know, it was really difficult for her. She, she always felt awkward about it, even though we'd read a ton about, about it in the Bible and did all, all these resources that were uh, given to us. And uh, I felt comfortable about it, but, you know, she, she still had a, a lot of hesitation uh, with it. Um, so fundraising was difficult. Uh, we had to get jobs. Um, she worked at a Broadway over Boston, which is a, uh, you know, at first it was a temp agency. So she was kind of shuffled around a little bit and then she landed at 
Broadway of her Boston doing admin work, but she's trying to get her teaching certificate. That was so hard to do in Massachusetts because, you know, they can't just make it easy where you're, if you're licensed to teach in Florida, you can go teach in Massachusetts. Right. You got to go through this whole process. And then, and then I worked at a couple of jobs working at bookstores and on campus. And then I worked at Starbucks and just trying to build relationships and stuff like that. So, but living in Boston is so expensive. So we had, you know, on top of that, we were stressed about how are we going to pay for everything? You got to like give them first and last month's rent to get into an apartment. I mean, it's like all these things you don't think about yeah. uh, because you just, you know, in Florida, you just rent a place or whatever, you know, yeah. uh, in Massachusetts, there's so much turnover because of the, or in Boston, there's so much turnover because of the students. And so living there was just complicated, yeah. uh, you know, parking rules and, you know, whether, if you ever, if, if anybody's listening to this and they're thinking about planting a church in Boston, just sell your car now and yeah. don't worry about, about uh, car transportation because it's more of a hassle. Uh, they even told us to put in our budget for parking fines and um, uh, parking fees and all this kind of stuff right. because it's true, you know. And then, you know, getting there, we were pretty much in an internship, it felt like. Um, we weren't really planting. We were trying to build relationships. Um, and, and you have expectation, you know, uh, as church, a church planner of what you're going to come into and you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to be the next, you know, whatever it is for the city. And you get kind of like, I felt like we did, we got slapped with the reality that no, actually Jesus is already here, but yeah. also you're not the great, you're not the great hope for this city, you know? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, so ultimately yeah, it, was, it was really hard. Yeah. It's tell us sort of the end of the Boston stories. How, how yeah. did, it, so you, you stayed for how long and how did that mm -hmm. time close? Yeah. We had a couple of um, folks who were coming to a Bible study pretty regular. Um, had two ladies, actually two, uh, one college student and one career um, young lady who had actually moved to Boston to plant with us. And so mm -hmm. they were doing a Bible study with us and trying to get the feel for the city we were probably there, um, probably into our 14th, 15th month, I think it was. And then um, I got news uh, that my, my stepdad and my grandfather had passed away in a car accident. They would, were carrying a trailer and got hit by a, a, a passenger bus at this really dangerous intersection in Tennessee, East Tennessee. And Kimberly was actually with my family. She was with my mom. They were opening up a restaurant there in East Tennessee. And so Kimberly had gone down to help out and I was planning on, on joining that. And we were going to do a tour of fundraising with some churches and that just sort of got just, just destroyed. Um, yeah. Now I was doing, you know, memorial services and, and a funeral and uh, did a couple of those actually because they, they wanted to do them in uh, different locations and whatnot with family. Um, and then we had a tough decision. We had to say, okay, well, we've, we've got no funds. We can't go back to, to Boston because we really can't afford to. Um, we, we're in a stage with the church plant where we're not really a church plant yet. You know, we're not really a church. Um, what are you really trying to say to us, God? And, and we kept, I kept felt feeling that God was leading us to leave Boston to come and help my mom. Um, I just kept, kept hearing scripture verses over and over again, that you're worse than an unbeliever if you don't help your family. And I felt this obligation almost to go and help my mom out. And so we, right. Uh, we told the leadership there, they were very understanding. Um, and we packed up and moved from Boston to East Tennessee to help my mom out. And so uh, that was really 
<laughs> that was much more difficult than making the decision to move to Boston. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I always say, um, you know, for, I think it was a grace to you that you didn't get into having launch services and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, before that happened. But I, I always say that watching church planters close their churches feels like watching a car accident in slow motion. Like you see mm-hmm. every, every piece of pain, you know, uh, that happens. And it's, I mean, it's kind of, it's similar to a, a divorce in the sense that like you go all in on something and then it gets ripped apart um, for whatever reason. And uh, so, you know, the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I, I, you can't have this conversation with anybody because, uh, you know, I think I, we have the relationship that I think we can have a conversation about these sort of candid things, what goes on in, in the heart of a person who gives up everything to move to a mm. uh, foreign land, so to speak, to mm. uh, spread the gospel and share the gospel and, and pours a year and a half into it mm. and then ultimately has to step away from it. That kind of thing is happening all the time in church planting, but nobody wants mm-hmm. to talk about it and nobody, nobody's willing to talk about it or can't talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a reality for everybody who's out there planting and, and anybody who's successfully planted a church knows mm-hmm. that they were closer to that than they'd like to admit at, at a time. Mm-hmm. There was a, there was a moment uh, or, mm-hmm. or, or a series of moments where they seriously contemplated it. Um, I describe it a little bit sometimes as, uh, as the escape hatch or uh, mm-hmm. church, church planter postpartum depression i think it happens mm. like you know after you, after the excitement of here's what we're here to do wears off and in the reality mm. of all the difficulties that have led no one to start a church in this place before start mm. to settle in uh on mm. you and so so tell me uh, uh since you guys left boston i know that you know it was a series of different sort of church jobs and and sort of getting to a place now where you're at a great church mm. and you're about to start a, uh, you're about to start a church uh, mm-hmm. actually being sent the right way and yeah. fully equipped and with all the experience and you guys are going to do great this time, no doubt. Um, but tell me, you know, tell me what the Lord's taught you um, and how he's used that situation in your life for his good and your, your good in his glory. Yeah. Um, I, I really feel like at the time I didn't know what Boston, that whole thing was about. Like I thought, I thought it was about us going to plant a church and um getting kind of that coming to an, a stop. And, and as you said, you know, it's almost, it's almost like a death happened, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, my, yes, my grandfather, and my stepdad did die, but there was also the death of the dream of Boston yeah. and planting a church there. And, um, and a little bit of a relief because it was so hard, you know, um, we, we looked at, we looked back at our time in Boston. We like even a year out of it, we were like, wow, that, that God was actually doing stuff in my wife and I's hearts, like building our marriage and strengthening our marriage by almost ruining our marriage in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, you know, because it was so difficult. I mean, spiritual warfare, we, you know, you have to, as a church planner, you have to know that that is such a real thing that, that your wife is under it and you are under it. But it's also at the same time, like your marriage is, is going to be attacked through all of that. And I think that God used that. I was this, this immature little boy. I feel like even five years into marriage where I was selfish in a lot of pursuits. I was, uh, I would even say I was addicted to pornography during all that, like looking at, you know, going to work, being stressed and looking at, at porn when I got home, when my wife was at work and, and, uh, 
had to confess all that almost ruined our marriage over it. And, mm-hmm. and yet at the same time, God was using that, even that as a crucible to kind of shake us and shape us during that time. And so we come out of that, we go, um, we go to try to help my mom out. That doesn't work. It's more stress. It's more craziness. Uh, family drama now, as opposed to church planting. And then God, you know, God moves us to Texas of all places. A friend of ours named Lewis Pollard, who you, I think Clint, you know, yeah. Lewis from ECF days and uh, him and his wife said, Hey, come out until you can figure things out. You can stay with us. And they had a room. They, they put us up in and we, we stayed there with them and we just, I worked and um, Kimberly worked and we tried to pay some debt down because we had accrued debt from church planting and moving and all this stuff and uh, put my resume back out and said, okay, all right, God, you whispered, you know, I know I'm still called to ministry. So what does that look like for me to go back to what I've done before? And so put a youth ministry, you know, resume together and put it out on youth specialties and ended up getting called by this church in Alabama as I'm pulling into Texas uh, into Lewis's house, I get a call from a church in Alabama and I was like, Hey, I just moved to Texas. I got to figure this out. And about a month or two later, I was like, okay, Texas isn't the place for us. This is not where we're supposed (laughs) to be. And I redid my resume. They got the call from the same church. They're like, Hey, saw you updated your resume. Would you want to come and do a true, you know, student ministry? I was like, I'll definitely talk to you about this. (laughs) And we ended up got it. it was God's will for us to go and move. And, uh, so we moved from Texas to Alabama, North Alabama, Madison, and uh, served at a church there um, uh, at an e-free church and um, just felt like we were healing at that point, yeah. uh, doing ministry, healing. Uh, God then, uh, four years into that, God says, hey, I still think you should plant a church. And so there's a, a church in town, Summit Crossing, and I... I the pastor there was doing a leadership cohort and I knew the youth pastor and the youth pastor was like, Hey, I'm going to plant a church in Colorado. Hey, come join this leadership cohort. We're going to talk about church planning. And I was like, okay. And I talked to my pastor and he's like, yeah, go ahead. And so like I went and did that and I just felt like this Lord was still stirring me for church planting and had, had come through so much and felt, felt God was healing me and God was, you know, had grown me so much. So I, uh, I did that. And then, I felt like I was supposed to leave a full-time youth ministry gig with life, you know, with health insurance for foster kids at the time. I call my wife up and like, I think God's telling us to go to summit crossing and take an internship where it's not paid and we have to raise our own funds and I'll probably have to get another job at Starbucks. And she hung up on me. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't doubt it. She should have hung up on you. <laughs> she hung up on me, but then she called me back and she said, let's, if God's telling us to do this, we got to do it. If God's yeah. telling you to do it. Let's go. Yeah. Lives are good like that. Yeah, uh, man. Okay. And it's been a huge blessing. Summit Crossing has been good to you and uh, yes. you've grown a ton there. Uh, it's just been, it's been fun from a distance to, it seemed like I was watching you guys go through heartache after heartache and shrivel, mm. you know, in, in various ways. Yeah. And from the time you got there, it's just been like, every time I talk to you, you seem healthier and healthier. So uh, yeah. that's been awesome. And now tell us about what you're, what you're planning to do now. Uh, I just, just learned not too long ago that you are about to uh, endeavor in a new church planting journey. Yeah, we are. Um, we are about to plant. Uh, well, in 2021, we're, uh, Lord willing, we're hoping to plant a worthy Redeemer Church. Uh, it is going to be a multi-ethnic 
endeavor. My, uh, my lead pastor, I'll, I'll be a co-pastor this time around. Uh, you know, through this whole thing, Boston and everything, I've, man, the Lord's just really revealed to me that I'm not the lead guy. I'm, I'm on a team. I should be yeah. on a team and I thrive on a team. I need, I need partners in ministry, plurality of leadership. Uh, but I can play, I have a, you know, I, the Lord's also said, you know, you have an important role to play. Um, and so we're going to, we're Lord willing, Alexander Wade and I and uh, his family, my family, we're going to be planting this church. Uh, so what's, what's interesting about this church plant is that it's not very far from uh, the church that we're at currently. I mean, it's probably, if we, if we hope to get a, uh, you know, a facility as all church planters hope to get, uh, we'll probably be less than 15, 20 minutes away from the current facility right. that Summer Crossing has. So, but Summer Crossing is what we call a destination church. Like it's, it's, uh, you know, a converted warehouse in a research park community. There's no, there's no neighborhoods around it. So people drive into Summit Crossing. Uh, what we want to do is plant a neighborhood church in a neighborhood that's multi-ethnic and um, predominantly uh, African-American uh, with some Latino mm-hmm. population in that, that portion of Huntsville. Um, we're trying to learn a lot about the city before we move in there, though. Trying right. to do a lot of research and homework. We don't want to come in as, oh, here we are. We've arrived. I, I learned that about Boston. You know, it's, we're not the only gospel presence that God has in the city, you know. Yeah. We need to figure out what's going on and, and how to join God in it. So Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. All right, well, let's talk to the guys who are considering church planting right now, and they're, they're scared to death of their, your story becoming their story. They, mm-hmm. they want to go and have some kind of assurance of fruitfulness or success. So talk, talk to that guy who's just kind of staring at the future possibility. Uh, yeah, I would say um, to a, a future church planter, be obedient to what God calls you to as he's calling you to it. Um, and that is the only guarantee that you have is your, in your faithfulness and your obedience is that you're just going to step out and do what God asks you to do. Right. You're not promised the fruit of, you know, a, bar, a large church or a medium sized church or converts or disciples or any of that stuff. You're just you just asked to obey. And I feel like that's what looking back on it now um, at the time, I didn't know. I, I felt like I just kept, you know, Chris Farley tumbling down the hill, not knowing what was going on, right? Uh, getting beat up along the way. Like, okay, how's this, how is this at all good for me and glorifying to God, you know? Right. Uh, but, but if I look back on it now and I had to give advice, I'd just say, Hey, just take that step or, you know, step out in faith, do what God's called you to do right now uh-huh. and trust him with the results. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So God is, <laughs> God graciously gave me a gift um, in 2000. Well, a uh, few years after I was at, at uh, Summit Crossing, a couple years after Summit Crossing. Yeah. Um, uh, Summit Crossing is an 829 church. Um, and I wanted to do a, a camp, a summer camp. We're, we're going to do it on our own. We had done a couple with uh, Student Life. We were going to do our own camp. And we decided that, uh, or I, you know, I was praying through it. I wanted to do, the theme was a uh, gauntlet. And I wanted to like lay down the gauntlet of, of mission. And it, you know, we often think of mission as, okay, I've got to go to, I've got to go overseas. I've got to go to India, Africa, you know, all these places, which is very true. But I really wanted to lay down the gauntlet of what it would look like for our high school students to, to think about that next step as passion talks about it, going yeah. to college in the hard places to be a missionary, right? right. So you're going to go get your degree and 
engineering or arts or whatever it's going to be, but do it as a missionary. And so I thought, oh, I got to get a, I got to get a guy that's doing it in Boston. Like mm-hmm. that's Boston was still true, you know, close to my heart. And uh, so I started like researching all the pastors and church planners in Boston. I was like, surely one of these guys would come and speak at this camp and just lay yeah. out a vision for, for church planting. Um, so uh, I listened to a couple of guys landed on this guy, Bland Mason, who's yeah. a pastor of city on a hill church in Boston. And uh, met with, you know, did a zoom kind of Google hangout or whatever it was. And then uh, got, got a little bit of his story. Then I went up to, to film him. He had agreed to go to the, come to our camp. Uh, me and a video guy came, went up to, to film him, get some shots of Boston, kind of do as our promo for camp stuff and, and interview him and, and get, just get to know him a little bit better. And so we're sitting in this deli and I said, man, how did you get to Boston? And he lays out this uh, story of him and his wife were in Kentucky. They were praying about what was next for them. He was a professor in some college in, in Kentucky. And we're thinking about, oh man, wouldn't it be awesome to, to plant a church in a college town? What's the college town of college towns is Boston, right? And so he's at this uh, passion conference and they've been print, they've been talking about Boston, but all of a sudden this video comes on a passion conference. It's passion. It six. I think it was. And it was like, Hey, here's this, here's this guy who went to a passion conference and is now planting in Boston, uh, you know, selling shirts and uh, sold everything and moved from Florida to Boston to plant this church. And I said, dude, that was, that was me. That video was me. And, and like, he like locked it, like locked in. He was like, Oh my, that was you, you know? Yeah. And I just wept in this deli, you know, I'm sitting there with my video guy, Bland and, and one of his guys. And, and I'm just crying because it was a gift from the Holy spirit of like, yeah. dude, your obedience to just go led to this other guy to go. Yeah. And then now he's flourishing, like he's yeah. planting churches and, I mean, there's, I know another guy in Alabama that just recently, a couple of years ago, moved to Boston to plant a church. He's doing it through Bland's, like, yeah. you know, uh, through their church. And so it's like, you don't know what your obedience is actually going to do and the ripple effects of your obedience. Right. And it was a gift. I, I could have never known that. Right. You know, uh, could have been in heaven and Bland saying, hey, bro, I remember you. You were in that video. You know, yeah. but the spirit gave 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 me that gift. And, and since then, it's just like, it's fueled my, my desire to tell guys and gals like, go, you don't, yeah. you don't know the ripple effect of what your obedience might, might yeah. bring. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I hear you saying is there's, there's in, in essence in, in obeying Jesus, there's no, there's no version of that that's failure, you know? I mean, yeah. uh, and even the concept that you could somehow fail at obedience to Christ is, is just not a real thing. So, um, you know, with reckless abandon, go do, uh, do all that God's put in your heart to do, obey him, listen to him, uh, keep in step with the spirit. I love the scriptural encouragement for us to walk in step with the spirit. Um, and so Brian, man, that is a cool story. The part about bland pulls it all together. And, uh, so bland Mason, I'm sure he's out there listening to the church planning podcast. Thank you very much for your, he should be. It's uh, a great podcast. Yes. Yes, he should, Brian. Yes, he should. Uh, well, man, this has been great to catch up and talk with you about this. And, um, and so, uh, man, if, if you're out there and you're considering obeying uh, Jesus and going uh, hard after man, if you're going to fail, uh, even by the world standards, calling it failure, uh, nothing better to fail at than, uh, than, uh, attempting to, bring the gospel to people and spread, spread his good news. So, 
Appreciate your appreciate your time, Brian. Thank you, Clint. All right. Thanks. Hey, Clint, do you know what causes people to find a podcast in the store when they do a search? No. It's the reviews. If people give reviews and stars, that is that's one of the most important things. That, so uh, what you're saying is there could be some person in Arizona who is feeling God calling them to plant a church. Yeah. And they go to iTunes thinking, I wonder if there's a church planting podcast. And that's they what type I would in do. church planting podcast, which is in fact the name of our podcast. Yes. And our podcast doesn't show up first because there aren't enough reviews. It's sad. That's it's sad. really sad. I mean, to think about that, they're probably going to get some some other podcast, yeah. inferior podcast. And this is free. It's free. This is free. It's totally free. All they can, you just go in and help us out. Leave help a us review. Out. Yeah. Thanks. We're not going to, we're not going to ask for anything from you except for just write down words. Even if you write down about how you don't like us, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, terrible radio faces. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Church Planning Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's episode of the Church Planting Podcast is sponsored by New City Network, the church planting ministry of McLean Bible. A special thanks to today's guest, Josh Taransky produced today's show. Nick Bashane was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky, who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last but not least, thanks to you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. If you'd like more information about our show, feel free to visit our website at www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There you can find all of our past episodes, as well as notes and links from today's show. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so be sure to check us out on the social. And tune in next week for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast.